Um, I think it's welcome back, Vanguard students, right, from Dominican Republic, right? Things are good? You survived, apparently, and uh, this is good. Maybe sometime you'd like to share, like, about the trip. Would that be fun? Yeah, I think we'd like to hear. Yeah, cool. Let's talk about doing that. Um, so for those that haven't been here for a few weeks, um, I, a couple weeks ago I shared a story about how I stole bus fare uh, one time traveling from Chicago to Peoria. Um, apparently Christy gave me the fare to pay, and I just didn't give it to the bus driver. I don't know what happened. But, no, I, I, I knew what happened. I made a decision not to pay. But you know how sometimes when you make a mistake, and, and this, I think this is very common. You make a mistake, you do something stupid, and, and God gives you a chance to repeat the same challenge, you know, the same temptation. He doesn't, he doesn't give you the, he doesn't tempt anybody, right? That, that's the devil, that's your own flesh. But, but he provides the opportunity for you to go through the same thing again and, and see if you get it right this time. So last week, last week, I got a call. I had just dropped Grayson off for school, 4K. And I get a call from the teacher of his class, and I'm like, oh no, he's sick. He's, you know, all these things go through your mind when you get a call from the teacher. Um, and uh, no, he's fine. He's doing great. But somebody on the way out of class dropped a $20 bill on the ground, on the way out, and Grayson's teacher said, you were the only one to leave at that time. And I thought, free ride. <laughs> yeah, it's mine, I'll take it. No, no, I did not say that. I, I didn't even check my wallet. I didn't even look at my wallet. I thought, this is a test. You know, this is a test. And I, and, and I said to her, no, I'm not aware that I lost a 20. It must be somebody else. But I said, thank you for calling me and trusting me enough to tell me how much it was, you know. Like, normally you don't say, I found a 20, is it yours? Yes, it is mine, I'll take it, you know. You don't usually do that, but, but she did. And uh, I passed the test. Anyway, all right, all right, okay, okay. Now, uh, let it be a lesson to you. Um, you may have tests and that you fail, and God will give you the chance to keep repeating. You know, you'll repeat, repeat, repeat until you do it the right way. But I just can't, I, I couldn't lose that, like, that was just so interesting, you know, and, and I, of course I'm being kind of funny too, but, but it is interesting. Um, all right, uh, today I want to talk, we want to talk about Acts chapter 6, so would you turn to Acts chapter 6, and, and this is a special message, like, this is one, like, really near to my heart, you may see me stick my, my nose in my notes a little more, because this is the fourth message this weekend, so uh, if I lose some details, I'll go back, but God will give grace for all that, it'll be okay. Um, and uh, calling this full of wisdom in the Holy Spirit, leadership lessons from the early church. I love our leaders at this church. Like, I have the privilege of leading a group of people that love God and love people. Like, like by and large, I, I look at our leaders, and it's like I, I see their heart for Christ, and I see their heart for other people. And, and, and they lead out of that love, out of that passion for the Lord and for people. So today, I'm talking to you leaders. And I'm talking to future leaders in this church. Or maybe you'll end up, you know, moving somewhere else one day, you know, and, and, and you'll be a leader at that church. But I'm talking to you leaders here. Uh, look at Acts chapter 6. I probably should have turned there. 
Uh, Acts chapter 6. So, you know the the role that we're on here in Acts is the church is expanding, the gospel's going out, the apostles are preaching it, and and, and the people are being filled with the Spirit and sharing it, and and then you have opposition, right? You, You have... Ananias and Sapphira who, who play the hypocrites and, and don't give the full amount that they said they were giving. And then you have uh, the Jewish ruling council getting together and, and opposing the apostles, locking them up, and then having them beaten. Probably the 39 lashes, which is enough to kill a man, but, but they didn't kill the apostles. And, and, and like the next day, the next moments actually, you know, they're, they're just like, they're just out there preaching it again. And it's almost comical. You know, when they were released from prison, you know, the, the, the angel of the Lord releases them in the night, and it's like, where are the apostles? I thought we locked those guys up. No, they're preaching it again. You know, it's like they just can't be stopped. And we asked the question last week, what's the price of your silence? What would be the price that has to be paid to get you to be quiet? And apparently the apostles are willing to pay any price. Whip us, beat us, whatever you need to do to us. We won't stop. You can't get us to stop. And now we have a third challenge in the church. Challenge number three. Here we go. And I love this. Let me just say this at the beginning. I love this because we read in the church of Acts, and we rightfully say, I want to see how they did church in the beginning. Like, I want that. But I don't know that you want all of this. I don't know if you want your leaders to be taken out and beaten to within an inch of their life. I don't know if you want that. You, know, you might say, I want miracles like the early church. But I don't know if you want hypocrites to fall over dead in church. Like, I don't know if you want that. So, so there's things that we want, maybe things that we don't want. God's going to give us whatever we need, though, at the end of the day. We need to understand the text. We need to dig in here. But I think it's encouraging to me that, that they don't paint this... I mean, it's a beautiful picture, really, that they're painting, but, but it's not a perfect one. It's not like things are easy. It's just all easy, you know. It's not easy. Look at the challenges. Okay, okay, so here we go. Uh, Acts 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve, that's the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples, and they said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and, and Timon, and Pumbaa, I mean Parmenas, and Nicholas. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Hakuna Matata. That's all i got to say. you got problems in the church? There you go. Um, and Nicholas, a proselyte in Antioch, and these they set before the apostles. i got to stop. And they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, the priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, all right. I, I hope this is like a love letter to, to leaders here. I, I hope if you're a leader in this church, like this is, this is for you. And, and for you that aren't leaders yet, 
maybe you will be one day. I mean, maybe God will call you that. He doesn't call everybody to be a, a leader, but, but, th- but there you go. Um, here's the problem that's going on. Uh, this is an ethnic conflict. Uh, so, so apparently what's happening is there is a distribution of food probably, you know, that, that, that they're serving widows. They're taking care of vulnerable people. That's the, that's the mission of the church. They're taking care of people. And yet, you've got these Hellenist widows who are not getting served. Now, now Hellenist versus the native Hebrews. Like, what's going on there? Well, the Hellenists, they're still Jewish people, but, but they're, but they're Greek-speaking. So they, they probably come back to Israel from other countries, and, and they're speaking a different language probably. As scholars think they might be living outside of Jerusalem, so they're kind of on the outskirts of things. And they're not getting fed, but the church is feeding, that the church is trying to take care of vulnerable people. And, and somehow they're missing it, you know. And, and, and the native Hebrew widows, they're, they're getting served. And so you've got this ethnic conflict where these native people, they're more in and they're more getting what they need. And somehow this group of people, these widows, are getting neglected. And it doesn't say that the widows complained. It said the Hellenistic Jews complained. The Greek-speaking Jews said, hey, you're missing our widows. What's going on here? And this is a problem in the church. It's an ethnic conflict. Now, um, you think of it like this. You know, uh, some of you are from different states, you know, and maybe one day you'll move to a different state. But, but I know some of you, you come from states that you're very proud to be from. If you ever met someone from Texas, you know how they are, you know? Like Texas is the best. You know, and, and, and so wherever you're from, you know, I don't do that. I'm just from Illinois, people. We're humble in heart, you know. Uh, um, I, was, I was just sitting at the Northwood Sheridan, and this guy was going on. He was from Illinois. He was from Chicago area, and he's talking about the Bears. He's like, I love the Bears. I love them. But not Cutler. I hate him, you know. It's just, it was great. It was great. Um, um, anyway, uh, but you know, when you're from a place, you're proud of being from that place, you know? There's, there's a bumper sticker, you know, that, 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 that said, uh, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as fast as I could, you know? I mean, that's, that's how you feel about the place you're from. It's a good place that I'm, that, that, that I'm from. And, and so, so you can imagine there's the, the native Jewish people living in Jerusalem. They're in. They got the bumper sticker. I'm Jewish and proud. And, and, and I was born here. I was raised here. You're not taking me out of here. And then you've got the Hellenistic widows that maybe moved in from other countries. They're still Jewish, but they moved in, and they're talking a different language. They might be talking Greek, living on, in, in, in the suburbs on the outskirts of the city, and, and, and they're not in for some reason. And, and, and Luke doesn't give us all the details. Maybe that's intentional. Like, we don't know. Like, what, what was going on here? Like, did they, did they announce the food in Aramaic, like, like meet here at this time, and it's all in Aramaic, and so all the native people said, we know right where that's at. And, and the Hellenistic people said, I don't understand that language. I don't even know where to go to get that food. You know, was that what it was? Was there not meals on wheels to take the food outside the city, you know, and, and feed those widows? We know they needed food. They were vulnerable people. The church was stepping up, but they were missing them. They were missing this group of people. So this was brought to the apostles. We've got to fix this. We've got to do something about this. So if you're a ministry leader here, you know the challenges, oh, let's just say it, problems creep into your ministry. 
Like, like this, that's just how it is, you know? Like, we're all sinners, and we're in an imperfect world, and, and problems just come into your area of ministry that you've got to resolve, that you've got to fix. Things happen. And it's not the Hellenist, it's something else. It's something else. I just want to talk about three problems and the answer here. Th- three problems leaders can have and the answer. Okay, problem number one. Uh, the problem is the church is growing. That's a great problem. Like, you read verse 1 here, six, chapter 6, verse 1. Like, like, there's more and more disciples. More people are being added. More people are getting saved. Those are great problems, but what are you going to do with all those people? You've got more widows saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Are you going to feed them like you've been doing before? Well, there's more of them now. What are we going to do? The church is it's expanding. It's growing. And what, what the word here is then, God-given success will still lead to challenges. In other words, at the end of the day, you can look at your area of ministry and see God doing amazing things. Look at who we're reaching. Look at the kids that are getting it. Look at the people that are experiencing the love of God. Look at the, uh, the, the greeters shaking hands and welcoming people. And I mean, you can, you, you, things can be going well. God-given success. And you've still got problems. You've still got challenges. And that's what comes with more people. How are you going to take care of more people? And so even as a church, we're thinking about, you know, as we grow, how are we going to handle growth? Are we ready for growth? Or are we not? Because if we're not ready for growth, is God going to give growth? I mean, is he even going to step in if we're, if we're not going to even think about rising to meet those challenges? Um, the problem is the church is growing. God-given success still leads to complications, challenges, issues. Uh, I try to go to the Willow Creek Leadership Summit every year. I, I love that conference. It's a two-day conference. And they bring uh, Christian leaders in from the church. They bring secular leaders in from the business world. And they mix them all together. And you're hearing from brilliant people talking about leadership. And it, it's a great conference. I, and I try to go every single year. But one of the things I think I hear every year, and I have the same cynical reaction every time I hear it, I'm just confessing my sins here, is... You know, Willow Creek's a big church. Like, there's a lot of people there. And inevitably, every year you'll get someone from Willow say, um, we've been doing it this way for a lot of years, and we found out this is not the way to do it. Like, one year they said uh, th- that there was a year where they found out they had incredibly low um, employee uh, satisfaction with, with, with the job. You know, they did a survey, and they were super low, and then they had to hire some consultants and, and bring up you know, the employee morale and, and how could they build the team. And I thought, man, I wish I could hire people. We, we could do all sorts of things. We just hired them to fix this and fix that and do this, you know. But, but we're not the big church. And I get a little cynical about that. And I think, you're the ones telling me how to do church. You're the ones telling me the best practices. And you got problems too. And, and, that, and that cynical side comes out. You don't see it very much in me maybe, but it comes out sometimes. And, and, and I hear that. And, and I read this this week, and I just heard the God. I heard God saying, "Now wait a minute. You've seen the way I bless that church. You see all the people they're reaching. No, they're not perfect, and no church is. And, and even churches that are successful still have challenges and problems, and each one is unique. So you can't compare your problems to this church's problems. They're just going to be different." So when they say they haven't been doing it well, you don't need to get on your high horse like you're doing it well. 
you can just say everybody's got challenges in the area they lead. Everybody does. Wherever you go, ministry leaders, whatever you're doing, you can get discouraged because you see the challenges. It's everywhere. And if God has called you into that place to lead, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself already. That's where you need to lead and rise to the occasion and, and meet those challenges. What's the answer to the growing church? The answer is wise, spirit-filled leaders. That's what the apostles say is, give us seven men full that, that, that have a good reputation, a good reputation, and by that they mean they're re- reputed to be wise and they're reputed to be spirit-filled. Give us guys like that. The answer to the church growing is, We need more leaders. You want to do more stuff? The right stuff, that is. We're still a simple church. We're not trying to add ministry just to do it. But but you want to see things expand? You've got to have more leaders. The answer is wise, spirit-filled leaders. Okay, let's keep going. Problem number two. Um, The second problem is the least of these are being ignored. It's... It's the widows who are not working, who are vulnerable. Their husbands have died, and they're the ones that need food. It's the vulnerable. It could be the children. It it can be a lot of different faces, but there are people in our communities that need the church's help. They need help working out, um, you know, how do you do a budget so I don't find myself in the place that I'm in now? We've got to speak into that. How do I do marriage? Because right now this is not working. Well, mature marriages, those people need to speak into that. The problem is the least of these are being the Nord. And here's the thing. When the church, I'm talking about challenges, but I'm also talking about conflict. You know, when the church has conflict, you start ignoring people in need because you're just looking at yourself. I'm looking at these people that I'm fighting with. Fortunately, I don't feel like I'm in that conflict at all. I'm I'm really happy about that. The church is not in conflict. But I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. Sometimes I preach messages like this and people think, oh boy, we're in trouble. I'm just trying to keep us out of trouble. Because when we start fighting with each other and start pointing fingers at each other, what happens? We forget about people in need, the people that need Christ, people that need to be helped. We forget about them because we're so busy fighting. You know what I asked the kids this weekend at, at Winterfest? I said, tell me about a time you got lost. Everybody's got a story about that. And you know what you know what the common theme was? Amusement parks. Amusement parks. And finding a security guard to help. Or, you know, and, and I could just, they, they, didn't, they didn't say this, but I could just imagine this. You know, mom and dad are talking. What ride are we going on next? Well, look at the map. We're at Disney World, you know. Where, where, where are we going here, you know? And they're trying to figure it out. And, and no, we're going here. No, we're going there. Vacations are great places to argue, aren't they, you know? And, and you're just doing this. And suddenly you're looking like, where's Johnny? You know, where's two-year-old Johnny? Well, he left. He's going to find Mickey Mouse. He's gone, right? You were too busy arguing that you lost your kid. You were here for your kid, but you got to do a conflict, and it got you distracted, and suddenly you don't know what you're doing. And that's what happens to the church. We're fighting, we're arguing, and if we're, if, we're, if we're dealing with internal garbage all the time, we'll never get to the real stuff we're called to do. Yes, 
We do, if there is a conflict that comes up, we've got to work it out. You can't just ignore it because then it gets bigger and it gets worse. So you've got to work it out. But, but oh, that we would be peacemakers. Because if we make peace with each other and make peace fast, we can get to the real stuff we've got to get doing here. The problem is, the least of these are being ignored. You know what the answer is? More wise, spirit-filled leaders. That, that's the answer. How, how, how are we going to reach out to more people? We need more wise, spirit-filled leaders to lead the way. That's what we've got to do. Um, that's the answer. Problem number three. And last problem we'll talk about today. <clears throat> the problem is that the apostles are not called to do everything. That's a problem. Now, some people read this passage, and, and if you look at it, you know, um, the apostles say, uh, verse 2, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, I know how that sounds to some of you. To some of you, you feel like that sounds like the high and mighty apostles are not going to stoop low enough to serve tables. They would not be vacuuming the floor after fun club, you know. That's not what they do. They'd not be wiping down the tables and putting them over. No. The problem is the apostles are not called to everything. So I just want to challenge that notion. The apostles are not saying that's below us. They're saying something much more profound. This is not about conceit. It's about calling. You can write that down. That's free. Um, it's, it's not about conceit. It's about calling. Conceit actually leads you down a path that says, I'm going to do everything, right? Pride leads you down this path that often says, they need me, I'm in. Yes, yes to everything. They need me. That makes me feel so good, I'm in. Conceit leads you to do everything. That's what I'm tempted to do, just to put it out there. I'm tempted to say yes to everything. The problem is, apostles and you are not called to do everything. Now, if you're doing nothing, that's a problem too. You know, that's its own problem. Like, we all need to be serving somewhere. But leaders are not called to do everything. You're called to do something. I just want to prove my point. I know I said it, and it sounded really good. It's about, you know, calling, not conceit. But, but I want to just prove it from the text. A, <clears throat> remember a few weeks ago, we looked at God audibly told the apostles go into the temple and teach the people. Remember, he, he actually opened the prison doors for, for Peter and John to get out, and he said, go into the temple, that's what I want you to do. So when God writes your job description, and he says, I want you to do this, guess what you're doing? You're doing what God told you to do. And God didn't say, do the tables. This is a major problem, and it needs to have somebody giving full attention to it. And God said, I want you apostles to give your full attention to the preaching and teaching of the word to being witnesses of the resurrection. So there's that. So if you think the apostles are high and mighty, I would just say they're on a mission from God, if you want to use that, that expression. Okay? B, um, keep in mind the apostles are being beaten and imprisoned for teaching. That's enough of a distraction you've got to work with already, right? You know, you've got people coming after you. They're going to lock you up. They're going to give you 39 lashes within an inch of your life. And oh, by the way, Someone's got to serve those tables. Okay, fine. You know, um, They've got stuff going on already. They've got their own challenges to work through. They've got challenges. 
Sometimes you look at other leaders and you're like, you know, oh, they got it easy. They should be helping me. They got it easy. They got their own challenge. You just don't know about them, maybe. They got challenges. And uh, C, if you want to look at the Greek of the passage, you got this word diakoneo, and it, it's the word for doing ministry. And we actually we get the word deacon from it, diakoneo. And uh, it shows up in verse, um, when the apostles say, um, verse 4, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, the diakoneo of the word. Um, and then, it's also up here in verse 2. It's not right for us to give up preaching the Word of God to serve the, the, the ministry of tables and the ministry of the Word. So you have the same word to describe serving the widows and preaching the Word. It's the same word. I don't think this is conceit. I think the apostles are saying, we've been called to this ministry and we've got to find some people to be called to that ministry. And we're not saying one's better than the other. We need them both. Somebody's got to do those things that don't involve being up front and, and doing some public you know, ministry. And, and I don't think they're saying they're not equal. Now, don't get me wrong, I do think the Bible puts a high price on teaching. You know, te- not many of you should presume to be teachers. James says there is something about that that should, be, um, that, that should be a little different. But at the same time, know your calling. So this is what I'd say to you ministry leaders. If you're doing a ministry and you feel like this is not the fit at all, this is not where I'm called, I don't even think I'm supposed to be doing this, you need to let me know. It, it might be that's not your fit and it's somebody else's fit. That's okay. It's okay to step out. Ministry's not a life sentence. Just for me. You know? Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but it's not a life sentence. Seriously. That's why all of our elders, deacon, and deaconesses, they re-up every year, one, one, once a year. Are, are, are you still called into this? Is it still what God's asking you to do? It's okay to step back. It's also okay to step in and say, I'm the one called to deal with this. This is, this is my challenge. And I heard God say, this is what I need to be doing. And you step in and serve faithfully. That's okay too. Um. The answer, once again, to this problem, you know what the answer is by now, right? You got it. Third time's a charm. Wise, spirit-filled leaders. We've got to have them. We've got to have them. Wise, spirit-filled leaders. And you notice these names that, that were listed, you know, the, the Timon and, 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 and all, these, all these different names. Uh, they're Greek names. Just, just put that out there. They're Greek names. Why would they be Greek names? Because those are the people closest to the widows, the Greek widows. They, 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 like they, they have a vested interest in this. They care. They're close. Maybe they live in the suburbs, you know. They're out on the outskirts of Jerusalem. I don't know. But I'm speculating a little bit, but I do know that those are Greek names. And they have a vested interest in seeing this work. Now, what kind of leaders do we want? We want them to be wise. We want them to be spirit-filled. To be wise means not only do you know the Word of God, but you know how to apply it to real life. Like, it's not just that you're full of the Bible, but you know how to live it. James says, who's wise understanding among you? Let him show it by wise acts. Let him show it, James says. If you're wise, not only do you know the Word of God, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not only do you know the Word of God, you know how to live it. You know how to apply it in different situations. There's not a Bible verse for every single problem in ministry leaders that you come across, right? 
I can't just say, well, 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 turn to Psalm whatever, turn to Matthew whatever, and you're going to find like, oh, here's what you do when you have this problem in ministry. But if you're saturating your mind with the Word, if you're a wise person, you know how to bring those, those principles, that truth out, and apply it in your situation. We need wise leaders who know how to do that. We also need spirit-filled leaders. We need people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says, don't get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery. It said be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit control you. People who know what their spiritual gift is. Everybody has a spiritual gift. You all have gifts. To know what they are. Here's what I'm good at, and I'm going to use my gifting for other people. That's what we've got to have. Spirit-filled leaders using their gifts in power, in the Spirit's power, not to call attention to themselves, but to call attention to the Holy Spirit who's working. We need Spirit-filled leaders. Maybe you've been in a church that's had bad leaders. And maybe it was one of those things. Maybe they weren't wise. Maybe they knew a lot about the Bible, but they didn't know how to do it. They didn't want to do it. They had better ideas than the biblical ideas. That's a problem. Maybe you had leaders in your church that were wise. They had great strategies and they knew how to attract a lot of people. But you just felt like there was no spirit there. There was no life there. There was no breath being breathed into people like we were singing earlier. It just felt lifeless even though it, it was a good strategy. It was a good idea. You've got to have both. Wise, spirit-filled leaders. Um, a few years ago, I, well, maybe it was four or five years ago, I saw this video on leadership. Uh, the, this guy did a TED Talk on it, but it was this video of this music festival. I was going to show it, but it involved dancing, and I wasn't sure that was okay. You know, I already made the Pumbaa joke. I don't know if I can go further than that. Uh, Kuna Matata. But, um, but it, it, it's this guy at this music festival, and it's kind of like, you know, I guess the people look kind of like hippies in, in some sense. And, and, and this guy's dancing. He's got his shirt off. That's why I didn't show it. Um, but but he's, he's dancing. He's doing these motions with his body. And, and you're kind of like, that guy's a lunatic. You know, he's crazy. And all these people are sitting down like, they look like they're having lunch. They're on this big, like, open grass area. Music is playing, and this guy's just dancing, dancing, dancing. Finally, in the video, about a minute into the video, some brave soul stands up and starts joining him in dancing. And now they're both dancing. They're doing their thing. They're dancing. Now there's two of them, two crazy guys dancing. And, and the first dancer kind of, he kind of like pats the other guy in the back like, yeah, we're in this together now, you know. And they're dancing, dancing, dancing. Suddenly, a few other people join them. And then a few more people join them. And suddenly you've got this huge crowd. You see people running in from the side to join the dancing. And it's a huge group of people dancing and, and just being crazy and all this. And the music's being played in the background. They're having a great time. And the point the speaker was saying is, you don't need to be the crazy first guy, the leader. You need to be the second guy. The guy that stood up when nobody else would follow. You need to be that guy and say, yeah, I'm in. I'll look like a lunatic too. I'm joining you. And you know what the word is, church, for us? God appoints leaders in the, in the first church here. Seven men full of wisdom and, and, and full of the Holy Spirit. And the expectation is the church followed their lead. The church followed their lead. And so not all of you were called to be leaders. But I'm telling you, you're all called to be followers. To follow the lead of somebody else in the church. Assuming they're leading in a biblical direction, of course. 
but you're called to follow. And yes, that means sometimes you're going to have different opinions in that ministry leader. I see it all the time. You know, the ministry leader is leading this way, and someone following says, I got a better way. In my opinion, the ministry leader ought to listen, at least hear that person out. What's your idea? Let's consider it. But maybe it doesn't fit with the plan, and maybe the ministry leader says, no, we can't do it that way. And if they're saying no to you, that's okay. It's okay. Because they're, they're the leader, and, and they're responsible for God for what they're doing. And maybe they'll hear your idea and say, that's exactly what we've got to do. Ministry leaders need to listen to followers and hear them out. Because they bring good ideas, good suggestions to the table. You've got to listen. Hear me, you've got to listen. And, but you do need to go back and say, does this fit the mission of this ministry? Does this fit the mission of the church? And if it doesn't, you're free to say no. You're free to say no. We've got to have good followers that say, even if you don't take my best ideas, it's okay. I will follow. I'll be the crazy dancing guy. And we'll all be on the same sheet of music. <laughs> and we'll do something amazing here in the Northwoods. Ministry leaders. You've got challenges. And I recognize that. I'd love to recognize you right now. Would, if you're a ministry leader in this church, could I have you stand up if you're in charge of a ministry? I know you don't want to, but would you please stand? Anybody else? Yeah. Thank you. Can we thank them? Um, I'm so appreciative of all of you. You know, I just, I get the privilege of working with you, seeing what you're doing, seeing your passion, seeing you put that into ministry, seeing it reach people. I love it. I love it. So thank you. Um, we need more like you. We need more spirit-filled, wise leaders. Um, what am I looking for in church, you know? Uh, last slide, we can put that up. If I was to say, here are some key positions I think need to be filled, I think it would be great to have someone in charge of rooted groups, like someone just to own that, breathe that. We're always going to have this offered. We're going to stir up interest in this. Someone just to own our discipleship course because more people are giving their faith to Christ and we got to have a way to grow them. I love to see someone own that. I love to see someone own being a community group leader. Like I will organize the community groups for this church. That could, that could include the rooted thing. One and two could be folded together possibly. But someone to say, I will just make sure we're, we're offering the right groups. I will make sure we have the right on-ramps and off-ramps at the right times of the year. I will recruit leaders. I, I will do that. Community group leader. That could include rooted too. I think we need a, a regular men's ministry leader. We had a great men's ministry last year that was meeting for a while. Uh, I would love to see someone pick up that baton and say, I'm in next. That, that's me. I'm taking it. I will do that. I have ideas for men's ministry. I'd love to talk to you about that if God is saying something to you about that. Um, and fourthly, uh, in June, we will vote on new elders, deacons, and deaconesses. And we may be asking some of you, that's not, that's not one that I ask like, who wants to be an elder? I want to be an elder. You know, um, <laughs> I, I'm not doing that. I'm not asking like that. The first three I am asking, if, if you've got a desire, I do hope you come up to me and talk to me. There's other positions too. I'm sorry, I probably should have listed a few more. Uh, long week, Winterfest. Um, so some of you are going to tell me other ones I've missed. Just tell me after church, right? And I'll, I'll write it down. Don't text me right now though, right? Don't text me now. I'm, I'm preaching. Preaching, please. Come on. Um, 
<laughs> but um, elders, deacons, deaconesses, that's one where I think we would approach you and say, your name's come up. We've been talking about you. We've been praying about you. Is God talking to you too? And if he is, awesome. If he's not, that's okay too. That's okay. Um, those are the opportunities out there. Um, let me say at the end of this sermon, um, I'm sure there'll be some more that I have not listed and, and people will remind me of them. We'll put those up next week or whatever we need to do. But um, if you're visiting today or you don't know Christ, our message every Sunday is the same. That, that the reason we serve, the reason we consider God to be so beautiful is because he's revealed who he is to us in Christ. Christ came. Christ died for our sins and he rose from the dead. And if you need that, if you want that, you can certainly approach me afterwards. You can pray in the quietness of your heart this morning. Um, but that, that's the message we always come back to because if Jesus didn't die, we wouldn't be serving him. If he didn't get risen back to life, we wouldn't have life in us to do these things we're doing as a church. We just wouldn't. It's the Holy Spirit's working amongst us. There's resurrection life flowing through this church right now. So would you all stand at this time, and I'd love to pray over you and then uh, release you. Father, I just want to thank you for our ministry leaders, the ones that are here and the ones that are not this morning. I thank you for the leaders that are at uh, Winterfest right now. I pray that they would know your great pleasure in them. That, that you have gifted them and called them to work with young people. I thank you for the leaders of this church. I pray that when the challenges come, they would rise to the occasion with wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we would see the fruit, I didn't even get to talk about that, the fruit of Acts 6 is more and more disciples. The Word of God goes out and the priests become obedient to the faith. Like people that you wouldn't expect that were so into Judaism decide Jesus is Messiah. And oh God, that you would do that here to save the people we would least expect and bring them into the fold that they might grow up in their faith in this place. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.